Christian life than going to church and reading your Bible. Ever wondered just how involved God is in your daily life? Then you've come to the right place. Join me, Pastor Tom Marsis and Vicar Dylan Meyer, as we take an in-depth look at applying the scriptures to our daily lives, the Ten Commandments, baptism, Lord's Prayer, and more. Welcome to the Living Faith. Welcome to the Living Faith Podcast. My name is Pastor Tom Marsa, Senior Pastor of Zion Lutheran Church, and today we continue our look at Lutheran family service. We're uh, delighted to have with us Reverend Jim Lamb, Life Advocate for Lutheran Family Service, and he has a long working history with uh, life and uh, human life and the importance of that God-given gift. And Jim, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm pleased to be with you. I, When I was with Lutherans for Life, I did a lot of a lot of work up in North Dakota. I have a lot of contacts, made a lot of wonderful for-life friends up there. So I'm glad to be here. Well, as as we come together today, I think it's always good to start at the beginning, so to speak. And and Jim, as we were talking before the podcast, you were saying that your original life goal was to be a doctor or physician. Yes, it was. Ever since about fifth grade, I knew that's what I was going to do. I uh, just wanted to be a family practitioner, come back to my little small hometown and uh, serve people that way. Yeah, so I went to college, was pre-med, uh, heavy into the sciences, uh, but I didn't get into med school. Uh, I applied a couple of years, didn't get into med school. And all during this time, growing up, my pastors have always, has always I had two pastors who kind of, you know, you, you should maybe consider ministry. And I always said, no, no, no. And, uh, so after I didn't get to med school, I actually went into the Air Force for their physician's assistant program, and that all changed a lot. And we were at a home Bible study at that time, and I was bemoaning that God wasn't helping me with my plan. And somebody said, have you ever asked God to show you his plan? <laughs> and uh, that, that night we changed our prayer to show us your plan. And believe it or not, that next Sunday in church, we opened the Bible, uh, the bulletin, and it said, uh, the sermon theme was God's plan for your life. Is it yours? Well, one of the interesting things about that is how God closes one door and opens another door or closes a door and opens a window. I mean, that's that's all that. Yeah, it was just a series of doors that were closed. And I finally saw the one that really had been open all the time. So, uh, it, yeah, it was it was very good, and and the Air Force uh, that was very. Uh, it, I learned a lot there, and it helped me in terms of I got the GI Bill financially. It helped us a lot uh, when we went to the seminary and and so forth. So God used all of those. Even He even used the closed doors uh, to help move me along into the ministry. Well, you went to Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, uh, and you graduated in 1982 with uh, D-Min, Dr. Mm-hmm. Uh, D-Min, and then you went into parish ministry. And what was your experiences of gro- continued growth in ministry uh, while you were in the parish ministry? Well, I I was 14 years in, in parish ministry in uh, St. Paul Lutheran in Garner, Iowa. And uh, during that time, I I really got involved in the life issues at, at that point when I I did a personal study of Scripture and what it has to say about the value of life, and, and particularly 
where does the value come from? And it's it's a it's so clear that it's a God given value. And I just realized that we as as God's people, uh, as Christians, and particularly Lutherans, we have such a wonderful theology that's really tailor tailor made for these issues. And that we need to need to do more. I need to do more to apply this wonderful gospel-focused message to these issues. So that led me to get involved on the local level with Lutherans for Life. Uh, while I was in the parish and grew a lot that way there, and then uh, in 1996 received the the position of executive director of National Lutherans for Life. So what was it like moving from the parish ministry when you're preaching on a regular basis in the same pulpit, uh, growing with your people in Bible study, and now all of a sudden you're the executive director of a national organization like Lutherans for Life and being able to deliver that message? Obviously, it's a ministry in the sense that delivering God's message about the sanctity of life. But what what was that like for that transition between being in the parish and now all of a sudden in an executive director's role? Uh, it was it was difficult personally because I, I love parish ministry. I, you know, I said no to going into ministry. And when I was asked to be the director of Lutheran's Life, I said no to that, too, the first time. <laughs> and uh, but I won't go into all those details. Well, but. you know, isn't it interesting how God seems to want to hit us over the head with a two by four to get us to do what we're supposed to do sometimes? I know. I know. So. Uh, I, I just kept saying, I really didn't know what an executive director did, to tell you the truth. Uh, but I, just felt, I really felt compelled to accept that position and uh, then really grew because it, it, it was really small at that time. And uh, I, I learned what it was and what it was about. And at that time, the headquarters were in Benton, Arkansas, because that's where Dr. Jean Garten was. And she was kind of Lutherans for life during those early years, but the board had recognized that most of the chapters of Lutheran's Life were more up in the Midwest, in the Dakotas, Minnesota, Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois. And so they said, it doesn't make sense to have the, the headquarters way down here. So my first job was to move it up to the Des Moines, uh, Iowa area was the, uh, the resolution. We ended up in Nevada, Iowa, and that's where the national headquarters still is. And that's just uh, about 50 miles north of of Des Moines. So it was a, there was a lot going on and, and I learned a lot. I learned it very quickly uh, in, in terms of organization and, and, and getting the ministry moved. And then just, as I've always told people, I really wasn't leading Lutheran's Fife. Uh, God was doing that. I was just kind of trying to keep up. I found good staff people uh, who helped along the way. And it's re it has really blossomed since uh, I left, and uh, Pastor Michael Solomon now, the directors, and a wonderful staff that they have, and it's really skyrocketed. It's really grown. Uh, it's very pleased to see that. Well, one of the things we talked about is your role as a parish pastor. I think most of the people listening to the podcast would ha have a general idea of what a parish pastor does. Obviously, uh, preaching, teaching, confirmation, visitation, and the like. And you talked a little bit about your role as executive director, moving the uh, offices from down south, up north into Iowa. But what exactly is the role in, in a nutshell? And I know that that it's easier said than done to explain it, but to help people understand what exactly does an executive director of a nonprofit organization, social ministry organization like Lutherans for Life, what is your role in that position? Yeah. 
that my role was to to obviously to, uh, to to lead the organization, but mostly I did a lot of travel, a lot of speaking, a lot of preaching, uh, not just promoting the ministry, but promoting the use of the gospel in dealing with these issues and to help steer the focus of Lutherans for Life to be not an anti-abortion organization, but a for-life ministry, and being for-life because God is for-life. And so that's, that's what we did early on, trying to steer it. To, in fact, we, we decided to, in our title, Lutherans for Life, we capitalized for to emphasize the fact that we're a for-life ministry. I remember when that happened, I, I spoke someplace and um, uh, I, taught, I said, anybody here are Lutherans for Life? And I remember one guy saying, oh, yeah, you're that anti-abortion group in the church. And it just struck me that I didn't want us to be known as anti so much as for life. Well, that continues to be one of those challenges, I think, in today's society, which unfortunately, we're talking about a subject that can be very polarizing to realize that uh, as a church, it's not about anti, but for, and how we, and and from your perspective, Jim, then how can we continue to uh, put forth that idea of for life, not against something? Well, I, it, uh, one of the big things I tried to do was to get our pastors to understand that. And so I started going to the seminaries every year, talking to the fourth year guys and as many others as I could, uh, to help them understand that dealing with the life issues is not the job of Lutherans for life. Dealing with life issues is the job of the church because it's part of the gospel ministry. The task of and the position of Lutherans for life is to equip the church to do that, to provide information, uh, to provide you know, we provided sermons and Bible studies and all that kind of things to provide a good base, but to help them understand that it's part of the proclamation of the gospel. And so that was the focus, that it remains that focus today, to, to get our pastors, our teachers, our, our, our leaders focused on that aspect of the ministry. And, and I think there, there has been a, a great growth in that area. And then it's up to our leaders to help then educate the congregation, to help the congregation understand that, you know, life ministry is not something we do once a year on a life Sunday, but it's part of what we do every year. And so we, we, we move from not only having life chapters, which often include many congregations, but to develop life teams within congregations uh, so that people understand that, that this is this ministry is a part of what we do. So if you have a uh, an education team or a stewardship team, you have a life team there as well. It's just part of your ministry. It's what it's what you do, and that concept, which is growing, and I know there are life teams in North Dakota, uh, has helped uh, move that idea of being for life uh, to the people in the congregation. They can see it being done in a positive way. 
Well, that's an interesting concept. Obviously, the chapters, I think, is what more people are going to be associated with when they talk about Lutherans for Life. But uh, let's uh, take that a step further. When we talk about a life team, obviously, uh, an education team at church, you're, you're running Sunday school and Bible classes and so forth. What is the role or how does a life team go about that work is what you're describing? Yes, uh, there's. Uh, it, it's a very structured process. Uh, there's actually training. Uh, the church I'm a member of right now here in Marshalltown, Iowa, uh, we're going through that that training to become a life team. So it's not something you just sign for. <laughs> you right. have to be trained in order to do it. And part of that training then is to look at who the members are in your life team. Who do you have there? What are their, what's the context of, of their lives and their ministry? And what skills and gifts do they have? And then you look at the context of your congregation, small town, rural, big city. And then you look for opportunities around you. For example, let's say there's a pregnancy resource center in your town. Well, maybe that's something that the life team can do is to, if there's not a connection between the congregation and that pregnancy center, to, to make that connection, to help support that, to um, volunteer at that, to make the congregation aware that it that that is there. Uh, I remember one life team, uh, a couple of the life members were actually uh, women. They were post-abortive women, women who'd had abortions. And they really wanted to focus on helping uh, post-abortive women understand the, the wonderful uh, healing uh, and forgiveness of the gospel more and more. So the, a life team has a whole process they go through to decide what, what can we do to promote the positive message of life in our congregation, in our community, where we're at, and what are the gifts of our team? Well, I really love the focus in on uh, positive and forgiveness. I mean, I think that so many times uh, if we listen to the news, there's so much negativity around the issue, no matter what side of the issue it seems that we're talking about, uh, the abortion issue being such a big issue in today's society. Uh, but focusing on the positive and the forgiveness, because there's both sides of that, the positive of talking blessings of life, but also the forgiveness of as we go forward in life, that there is forgiveness, even if we, uh, you know, have had those struggles and have aborted life. Yes. And once again, our Lutheran theology speaks to that so powerfully and Lutheran pastors can articulate that so well that the gospel forgives any sin, every sin that's brought with repentant hearts. And for a long time, it's uh, early on, I heard this way too much. Well, I, I've been called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, not to deal with political issues or not to deal with social issues, as if never those two should meet. And, and it, it's still my my lifelong goal is to help more and more pastors see that the, the gospel is tailor-made for issues of life and death and pain and suffering and grief and regret and sin. We just have it, and we articulate it well with our distinction of law, gospel, our theology of the cross, uh, sin and grace. We have everything that's needed to address these issues, uh, and we we need to do it more <laughs> and target it more. I, I've told pastors, you know, we want to preach forgiveness for the sin of abortion. You can't do that unless you talk about that sin. 
and and target the gospel. I remember in Luther's uh, or Walther's long gospel, he talks about aim, taking aim in your sermons, gentlemen, and not not to be aimless prattlers. <laughs> he used that for you. Don't be aimless prattlers. Prattlers, yeah, that's. Yeah. I remember that reading that in in Walther's long gospel, thinking prattlers. That's not a word I use often. <laughs> no. But to, you know, he talks about an artillery man doesn't take his cannon out and just shoot up in the air. He, he aims at it. We got to aim with the gospel. And I, I remember, I, I have so many stories after 20 years of being with Lutherans for life. But I remember one time uh, I preached a, go- a sermon, and it was the focus of the entire sermon was on uh, post-abortive women and the struggle that they have and their regret. And and my text was uh, the. The, the Herod's destruction of the, the babies in Bethlehem. But the, the focus was not so much on the destruction of the babies, but upon Rachel weeping in that text. Rachel was weeping because her children were no more. And we have a lot of weeping Rachels out there today in our pews, in our congregation. So anyway, I, I preached on that text. And a couple of days later, I got an email from a woman who thanked uh, thank Lutherans for life for their focus on forgiveness. And here's what she said. It, it struck me. That's the first time I've heard the gospel of Jesus applied to my sin. Wow. So she had heard the gospel plenty of times before, but that's for other people. This sin, it must be too big to be forgiven because nobody ever talks about it. My pastor doesn't talk about it. It's got to be too big. So we need to be talking about it in the context of the gospel. Well, the gospel is so overwhelming. And for us to narrow it to just a very narrow view of how we talk about the gospel or what we talk about when we're talking about forgiveness uh, is really missing the point as to what we're what we have here, as you often referred to throughout the podcast so far, is this blessed Lutheran theology we have of forgiveness and uh, God's love for us and and so forth that why why would we want to narrow it so so much that we're missing so much out there that we are really forgiven for exactly I mean and pastors do talk about other sins you know <laughs> adultery and divorce and uh, coveting and lying and they talk about other sins but for some reason um, there's a fear to talk about this sin that really is permeating and burdening the hearts of many people in our pews. We don't even know about it. Well, that's the challenge, isn't it, for the parish pastor to not deal with hobby horse issues. In other words, the the typical issues, you know, the ones that you can go over and over and over again, which are important, but yet how sin is so overwhelming and so many people are hurting from sin that we need to keep coming back to that sweetness of the gospel and forgiveness and not lose sight of sin is just so overwhelming in the world around us. Yeah. I, one of the techniques I use in preaching is uh, if I'm talking about uh, sins against life, not just abortion, but end of life, uh, there's all kinds of sins against life. Absolutely. Yeah. And I talk about that, and and then I I kind of transition. I say now there there may be folks here who have been involved in uh, regretful decisions in the past involving life, and so if there is anybody out there right now struggling with that, I'm just going to pause if you don't mind and have a word with you, and it really is only one word, welcome. 
welcome here with all the rest of us <laughs> sinners. Uh, it's not the sin of abortion that separates us from God. It's sin that does that. And we all need his forgiveness. Well, for about 20 years, you were, you were executive director for Lutherans for Life. And in 2015, you retired. And yes. isn't it amazing how God seems to find things for us to do in life and in retirement? And it wasn't long, less than a year, you said, yeah. that Lutherans for uh, Lutheran Family Service said, you know what? Uh, we have something for you. And that's where this term life advocate comes in. Yes. So what exactly, Jim, is a life advocate? Well, at, at Lutheran Family Service, as a life advocate, uh, I, I don't want to sound uh, simplistic here, but I advocate for life. And I do that in a number of ways. I, I still get to preach and teach on these issues. And I, I love that. So, uh, my, my, one of my main tasks is to uh, not just to wait, you know, in Lutherans for Life, I, pe congregations would call pastors, you know, can you come and do a Life Sunday? This is a little bit different in that we target congregations. That, uh, we go to them and say, can we come and preach and do a, we talk about having a Lutheran family service Sunday uh, to, to preach the gospel, to teach about the uh, positive aspects of, of life and to be gospel motivated, and then to promote our ministry and, and what we're doing as well. Uh, so I I try, I'm part-time at this position, and the kind of the expectation is to do a couple of LFS Sundays per month. So uh, that's, that's kind of my goal. Uh, sometimes I have one, this month I have three coming up in, in February. So, it, so I, I get to do that. I get to do uh, I get to write some things. Uh, we, we started doing some webinars. And uh, then the other big aspect of my position is to be a voice in the public square. So Kim Lauby, whom you know, and uh, who's my direct boss, the, he's the director of our life ministries, and myself, we are registered lobbyists in, in Iowa for the legislature. So, and obviously we don't, we don't lobby on tax issues and those kind of things, but when there's a bill, when there's a bill that affects life, a bill about end of life, beginning of life, adoption, those kinds of things, then we, we not only lobby personally or give testimony at uh, committee hearings, but we also inform then the, the folks, uh, congregations and pastors in Iowa, and we also support any LCMS legislators. So we have kind of a pattern every year at the beginning of the session, we have, we call it a lunch and learn and we call all the LCMS folks in. We have six of them right now in Iowa, plus our state treasurer's LCMS and one of our Supreme Court justices is LCMS. So we we let these folks know we're supporting them. We, we have their pictures on a bulletin inserts that churches can get. You can put it up on your desk your refrigerator and remind people to pray for these folks. And then we sponsor every year, we call it Pastors on the Hill. And we try to get as many of our pastors uh, to the to the capital as we can. And, and we, we have a, a wonderful church nearby that we, we host a little brunch for the pastors. We have a speaker come in. Last year it was President Harrison. Uh, and then we do a little one-on-one -on -one lobbying and then we go to the Capitol, we meet with the LCMS caucus, and then 
they they can go lobby their their senators or their representatives. Uh, so I'm part of that whole. Uh, we call it voice in the public square and helping people understand that, uh, yeah, this is this is political, but part of our, what our Lord wants us to do is to be good citizens and to bring our influence to bear, to, to live as the salt and light that he tells us that we are and have an influence on our culture. And that's one way to do it. Well, Lutherans for Life, uh, Life Advocate, I think that in general, most people would think about beginning of life issues, obviously, with abortion or the like. But one of the things that is very intriguing and often overlooked, I believe, in general, uh, when we talk about life issues or life advocate, is end-of-life issues. And uh, do you have any... Uh, wisdom to share about the whole uh, assisted suicide, euthanasia, that whole end-of-life issues, which is also very much a part of life advocacy, I believe, and also part of our theology as well. Oh, yes. I'm glad, very glad that you you made that transition. And actually, the, the focus of Lutheran Family Service this year in terms of life advocacy uh, is end of life. And so we've, uh, we've developed uh, one presentation that talks about the theological and practical aspects of end of life issues. And then there's another one called Remembering Hope at Life's End that deals more specifically with assisted suicide and, and euthanasia, although they, they both overlap. But once again, we, we have a powerful message our theology of the cross uh, about pain and suffering and how God works in and through suffering. And the cross is the perfect example of that. And we need to help our people understand that, uh, that, that God is in control of life and, and death. And I, I often use the, uh, in Philippians 1, Paul talks, that's, you know, Paul's in prison. Is he going to be released? Is he going to be executed? And he, he struggles between the two. And he says, I'm hard-pressed between the two. You know, to, bar to depart and be with Christ is far better. And, and a lot of our members know that passage. And, and they say, yeah, it's, it's better to be with Jesus. And we wanna, why should we suffer here? It's better to be with Jesus. Right. But you got to read the next verse, not even the end of the sentence there. That goes right. on. But it is more necessary, Paul says, for me to remain in the flesh. So we live in this tension between the far better of being with Jesus, yeah, we know that, and the more necessary of remaining. And the, the point we want to emphasize is that God is in charge of the more necessary. So when grandma's lying there in the nursing home bed and she doesn't know us anymore, maybe she's not even uh, visibly conscious anymore, uh, God does and can work through grandma to accomplish his will and, and to use her. Uh, our, our meaning and purpose don't come from us and what we do or able to do. It's, it comes from what God does through us. Paul's a great example of that. Uh, you know, he, he wanted the thorn in the flesh to be removed. And, and God said, no, my power is perfected in weakness, weakness. And, and I make the case that the weaker we are, I think the more the power of God can be demonstrated in us. So we have to understand the value that grandma has in that nursing home bed and the purpose that God can work in and through her and then uphold that life. We can, 
we can ask God to take grandma, send angels to take grandma, uh, to have her depart and be with Christ, because that's going to be far better for grandma. We can do that. But we cannot send grandma to be with Jesus. That's crossing the line. And that's what we have to be teaching. And, and, and that's because, the struggle today, isn't it? Because it is. they talk about, when we talk about life, you know, what's the value of life or the, you know, I'm not, you know, that my life is worthless now. And to realize that all life, as you pointed out here, clearly it is valuable and important to God. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I talk about, you know, my, my, my mantra that people will, uh, Lutherans for Life know this, is created, redeemed, and called. Those three things. It's, it's, it's our creed. Um, life has value because it's created by God. Each of us are handmade by God. Think of it. You're a handmade creation of God. And then the hands that knit us together in our mother's womb, those hands became flesh and blood in a womb and stretched out on a cross to redeem us, to buy us back. And then God calls us in the waters of holy baptism and, and holds us in his hands. So every human being, every single human being is someone God created, someone Jesus died for, and someone he either has called or wants to call into an eternal relationship with him. And those three things give value to every human life, every single human life. Uh, the embryo frozen in a fertility clinic someplace, grandma in that nursing home bed, everybody. Babies and wombs all have value because of those three things, and nothing else. Nothing else really matters, and uh, so uh, that, that's been a heavy. Uh, whenever I give a presentation, I almost always start with those three things, whether it's beginning of life, end of life, and so on. Well, it's it's is a great struggle today in society, uh, both at the beginning and at the end of life, uh, and I think that it's one of those important. Uh, areas of ministry that Lutheran Family Service is able to uh, bring, and it's one that as parish pastors and congregations uh, to grow in what the Word says and realize that all life is precious. It seems like a cliche almost today to say that all life is precious, and yet how very real that is. Yeah, and in fact, I to to take off on what you just said, I often use that to get people's attention. I'll, I'll say, you know, we're not for life because life is precious. Anybody can do that. We're for life because life is precious to God. Right. And that sets us apart. That makes us different. And that makes our approach different as well. Well, that's interesting because, you know, like I said, in society, that sounds cliche, but for us as Christians, it's not because it's not it focuses on what God has and is doing. Yep, exactly. And and the other thing that we need to point out here is that all of these things we're talking about, beginning of life, end of life, one of the tools that Satan uses in our culture is that he paints these all to look good. And so you don't have assisted suicide laws in states you have aid in dying laws, or it's talked about as the compassionate relief of suffering, not killing someone. And abortion, of course, is a choice or a right. Uh, I saw a sign once that said, God loves abortion. Uh, so, so Satan appears, we know scripture tells us, as an angel of light, and he really makes these things look good. And we need to uh, reveal to our people the darkness under these nice sounding words that we 
banter about in our culture. Well, he's not called the father of all lies for nothing. And uh, (laughs) clearly, he takes the beauty of life and twists it in such a way that as if you're still talking about the beauty of life when really you're not. Exactly. Yeah. And so this life advocate part-time that you do uh, for Lutheran Family Service sounds like an exciting opportunity to be able to still impact uh, local congregations, which is where the work really starts in a lot of ways uh, as you continue to be an advocate for life, both beginning and ending, as we've been talking about here. Uh, As you look forward to the coming year, you said the focus for Lutheran Family Services, end-of-life issues, is that what you said? Yes, yes, because, uh, and the reason for that is because assisted suicide laws, they're they're in 10 states right now in our country and the District of Columbia, and they're just, they're in the files hiding somewhere in almost every legislature. Iowa has one. It's been introduced every year. Uh, it, because of the makeup of our legislature, it's not getting out of committee even, but it's there and the legislatures can change the makeup. And once it does, it comes, it comes in fast and hard and it's so appealing. They use, you know, these really sad stories of people who are suffering and, you know, why can't she have the right to end her life, to end her suffering? And our people can, can be swayed by those kinds of things. So we need... We need to have a base of grounding before these things happen uh, to us in our states where we're at. We need to understand that when these things do come to the fore, we have to have the ammunition um, to, to stand against them and before God's gift of life. And that's being rooted in God's word is where we need to be rooted in because human reason will not be able to win the day. It's God's word alone and our understanding in faith that's going to ultimately make the difference. Exactly. It's it's understanding those two things, where the value of life comes from and where purpose comes from in our lives. And both those things come from God. And that we have a God who works in and through uh, weakness and pain and suffering. And we just need to point to the cross, as I said before, to to see that. And it's a great, it's a, again, it is a powerful and positive message that we have. And we just we need to be proactive and not just reactive when uh, an assisted suicide bill is going to be voted on. We we need to start long before that and lay groundwork. Well, I love how you've been focusing on positive and proactive, and I think that that is really as a church body and as individual congregations realizing that we. If we react, we, we sound as if we're advocating against the government or whatever, but instead of being proactive and and deep into the word and understanding what God's uh, promise is for us, I think is really where it needs to start. Yes, exactly. That's, that's a, it's God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit that really changes things. And uh, we need a lot of hearts and minds changed on these issues before we can get policies and laws changed. And that's the task, uh, the wonderful task and challenge of the church is to bring that word, to bring that change. Well, it's been great having you with us today, Jim. As as we're kind of drawing to a close here on our podcast, is there any final words of encouragement or thoughts that you'd like to share with our audience? Well, again, I'm glad that LFS and North Dakota are, are establishing a relationship and again, 
I've had a lot of good friends up there over the years and a lot of wonderful for life people in North Dakota. So um, we're looking forward to, to working with you and continue to do that. And so I just ask uh, your listeners, if they're not aware of Lutheran Family Service and what we're doing and some of the things we're doing and want to do in North Dakota to to, to check us out on our website at lutheranfamilyservice.org. Uh, that would be, uh, be helpful. Well, we'll be sure. And uh, we as we go through that, the, the district's website has information on Lutheran Family Service, how to connect to them, their website. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be continuing to put forth uh, various uh, workshops and so forth going forward on life issues, end-of-life issues, grief issues. Uh, we've uh, we've done those as well up here with Lutheran Family Service. So we really encourage people to uh, use those fingers on the keyboards and check those things out. There's lots of information out there. Right. And the one aspect we haven't touched uh, is, is adoption. That That's part of what we do at Lutheran Family Service, too. Is- Absolutely. And, and in our interviews we've had, we have been able to uh, share with some of the uh, adoption advocates as well and the importance of uh, when you talk about beginning of life issues and people's challenges, uh, that is also adoption needs to be definitely part of that to realize that it's not enough just to bring the child into the world. How can we uh, together work to make that uh, best possible situation as well? Exactly. Yeah. Well, Jim, I really thank you for taking time today. Uh, what the audience doesn't know is that uh, this was our second go around try getting it. We were having a bunch of technical issues, but we worked them through. Finally. And finally, <laughs> technology is great when it works, but we, we finally were able to get that done. And uh, Jim, the blessings on your life advocate work in for Lutheran Family Service in Iowa. And as we continue to work together in that regard, and uh, please check out the, the notes that we'll have uh, ways to uh, be involved in life issues and some of the advocacy that's out there and information and especially getting into the word. We'll have opportunities for that as well. And as you continue your week of service, living the faith, we encourage you to dive into God's word as he continues to guide and direct us in our Christian walk. Lord's blessings this day. Thanks for joining us on our Living the Faith podcast this week. This podcast is a ministry of Zion Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. To contact us, learn more, or for more resources on our journey this year, please visit zionbismarck.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. This podcast was made possible by a grant from Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We thank them for their support. Please join me in prayer as we begin our new week. Blessed Lord, you have caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your Holy Word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. Tuning next time as we continue learning how God's truth in the Scriptures applies to our daily life. God bless your reading this week.